Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Well, good morning, North Main. I am glad to be here with you this morning. Uh, My name is Matt McCarry. I'm a member here at North Main, and we are uh, just so excited that you are here with us this morning. We're excited that um, we get a chance to kind of stop what we've been doing throughout this week, take a step back, relax, and uh, and begin to worship our God. It's it's so cool um, to walk into a place, and uh, we don't get to do it very often throughout the week. It's a sad thing, but coming together and just feeling that warmth, feeling this kind of unity that we all are coming here to do the exact same thing. We're coming here to worship God. We're coming here to experience Him and be in relationship with Him. And so... We are so excited, again, like I said, to be here. We're going to be continuing our sermon series on um, joy in the wilderness, so finding joy in the wilderness. And uh, today we're going to talk about a, probably a familiar passage. I mean, even if you haven't grown up in the church, if you've not um, maybe read through a lot of scripture, you're probably still pretty familiar with at least the story or at least the basis of this um, story in that um, we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments. And uh, one of the things is, is that uh, whenever we begin to talk about the Ten Commandments, oftentimes uh, you kind of hear, like, you hear the eye rolls, right? <laughs> it's like, like, the Ten Commandments, all right, we know them, like, you know, we can, don't steal, don't murder, you know, those kind of things. Um, I want to go in a, just a tiny bit of a different direction. I'm not claiming to be, you know, anything radical. I'm just saying that um, today I want to look at this passage where Moses goes over the Ten Commandments with the people and uh, just really look at what do we take from this? What does this mean for us in this world that um, is essentially saying that uh, there is no right or wrong? And so we're going to be looking at this today and and diving into it. So if you'd join me, um, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're just going to dive right in. Um, a little bit of background to the story here is that, like, we've been seeing uh, the people of God, the people of Israel, um, they've, they've exited Egypt, right? Um, they've been led out by Moses. They've had all sorts of crazy things happen to them along the way. God's shown up in really, really cool, amazing ways. He's um, parted the seas for them. He's provided food for them. He's provided water out of stones for them. He has done so much stuff for them throughout this time, and uh, they have reached the promised land. They sent in uh, scouts. The scouts came back. We talked about this, I think, last week, and uh, the scouts came back, and they shared, hey, like, this land looks awesome. This land that God told us to come to looks amazing. This is going to be really cool, uh, but we can't do this because the people are just way too big, way too powerful. There's no way we're going to get destroyed. If we go in here, it's, um, we're going to be just slaughtered. And so uh, they report back to Moses and to Joshua, and they, or Joshua's one of them. He brings back the news. He and one other uh, of the spies report, no, I think we can take it. So we have 10 who say that they can't, two that say they could, and uh, because of that, because of that doubt, 
um, and because of um, the doubt of the people and the fear and the lack of trust of God. Because like I said, they've, they've had crazy things happening to them this whole time. As they've been coming out of Egypt, um, approaching the promised land, God's just showed up in literally physical ways. He's shown up as, as uh, pillars of smoke and fire. He has, he has shown up um, in, in burning bushes. He's shown up in ways that uh, the people of Israel should have no doubt. And yet when they approach this promised land, they have nothing but doubt. And so they are punished by having to spend 40 years in this wilderness. And that's where we've been kind of talking. We've been saying, how do we find joy when we're in these places, um, this wilderness? Because we all have wilderness in our lives. We all have times when we go through things in our lives where we are struggling, where we are wondering where God is, where our direction is directionless. Think about this people. They know there are people set apart by God, um, set apart from all the other nations, that they have this grand plan within God's um, plan for for humanity, and yet they're wondering aimlessly around the desert, uh, just waiting for generations to die off. And so this must have been such a terrible and frustrating time for them, a time where they were trying to struggle through so much stuff and so much um, inward reflection, generations trying to learn from their parents' mistake, trying to become something new. And we're faced today in Deuteronomy 5 with that group, this group that's just been spending 40 years just in self-reflection, in trying to bridge a relationship with trying to um, get strength and get um, their resolve and get um, this relationship healed. And they've come up and it's now time for them to enter into this promised land. It's time for this wilderness to come to an end. And Moses meets before them and he goes back over the Ten Commandments. Um, to rewind a little bit, the Ten Commandments were given to the people. As soon as they escaped from Egypt, they kind of, uh, they marched in, they went into the Mount of Sinai, and uh, they were in this area, and God shows up, and he starts speaking to um, the people, and he starts speaking from the mountain. And the people become afraid, and they send Moses up into the mountain because they're afraid to interact with God, um, which is the right thing to be um, afraid of. And they send Moses up, and Moses goes up, and God actually takes him for about like 40 days. It takes him, and uh, they begin to, um, God begins to set out his plans and his laws with Moses and begins to kind of say, here's the direction that we we're wanting to go. And the people in that 40 days, they begin to doubt. They've just been um, rescued from Egypt. They've just crossed through this, this sea that's been split open by God. And because Moses is gone for 40 days, they say, our leader's gone. We don't know what's going on. He went up into this mountain. We don't know what's happening. And they build a golden calf and an altar and they start worshiping God. And Moses comes down from the mountain after this time, and he has the Ten Commandments with him. And uh, he's so distraught, he's so angry by what he's witnessing that he actually smashes these stone tablets. And later on, we're told that God commands him to make and commission new ones, and God rewrites and reissues the Ten Commandments to the people and says, you need to fear me and not lose track of who I am. And it's so funny because that's the human history is so often repeated over and over again up to right now. It's always, always been losing track of who God is. And so Moses is just coming to these people again and he's saying, listen, we're about to go into this promised land that God has promised us. We just spent, we've just been punished for 40 years. We've been punished before. Let's 
actually take into account what God has to say to us, internalize it, and live in a new way going into this new place. So that's the setting for what we're about to read. If we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5, it says, Moses called all the people of Israel together and said, Listen carefully, Israel. Hear the decrees and regulations I am giving you today so that you may learn them and obey them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us on Mount Sinai. The Lord did not make this covenant with our ancestors, with, but with all of us who are alive today. At the mountain, the Lord spoke to your face to face from the heart of the fire. I stood as intermediary between you and the Lord, for you were afraid of the fire and did not want to approach the mountain. And he spoke to me, and I passed his words on to you. This is what he said. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and the entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Observe the Sabbath, Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen, your donkeys, and other livestock, and any foreigners that are living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord God is giving to you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's wife. You must not covet your neighbor's house or land or male and female servant or ox and donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. The Lord spoke these words to all of you as assembled there at the foot of the mountain. He spoke with a loud voice from the heart of the fire, surrounded by clouds and deep darkness. This was all he said at the time, and he wrote the words on the two stone tablets and gave them to me. But when he heard the voice of God and the heart of the darkness while the mountain was blazing with fire, all your tribal leaders and elders came to me. They said, look, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice from the heart of the fire. Today we have seen that God can speak to us humans, and yet we live. But now, why should we risk death again? If the Lord our God speaks to us again, we will certainly die and be consumed by the awesome fire. Can any living thing hear the voice of the living God from the heart of the fire as we did and yet survive? 
Go yourself and listen to what the Lord our God says. Then come tell us everything he tells you and we will listen. The Lord, the Lord heard the request you made of me and he said, I have heard what the people said to you and they are right. Oh, that they would always have hearts like this, that they might fear me and obey me all of my commands. If they did, they and their descendants would prosper forever. Go and tell them, return to your tents, but you stand here with me so that I can give you all my commands, decrees, and regulations. You must teach them to the people so they can obey them in the land that I'm giving them as their possession. So Moses told the people, you must be careful to obey these commandments of the Lord your God, following his instruction in every detail. Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land that you're about to enter and occupy. So it's a long passage that we were going to dive into a little bit, but it's an important one, not just because we're facing a time currently um, where it's a hot button issue, right? I mean, it, 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 that may say like sound kind of crazy that um, that it's something that that we're fighting right now. But I mean, there's people actively seeking to take um, the Ten Commandments out of of teachings, out of things. Um, and it's not so much that we could, should fight just for the sake of them being there, but we should fight for understanding what this means and that this is a covenant that is made not only with the people specifically there at that time, but with God's people in general. And so this is an important piece of the whole picture of where we are in our relationship to God. But here's the thing, is that a lot of times we get confused. As human beings, we tend to go in one of two ways whenever we look at the law that's laid down by, by uh, God. The first way is that sometimes we begin to um, take the law and we begin to say that that is all there is. It's, it's this idea that um, I can earn my way into heaven. We've talked a lot about it. You've probably heard about it. This idea that if I follow these laws, if I follow um, everything that's in here, if I've, if I've not murdered, if I don't commit adultery, if I don't steal, if I don't do these things, then I'll be a good enough person um, to get into heaven, right? So that's kind of this one side of the coin that, that people tend to turn to. The other side is that um, they just say, I don't want to do the laws at all. These laws are stupid, right? I have met people who, you know, whenever you ask them about Christianity, you say, what, um, what is it that holds you back? You know, what is it that, um, that makes you fearful of, you know, investigating or, or opening up to this idea of Christianity? And a lot of times they say, there's just so many rules. I just don't want to have to, you know, live my life by a certain code or by a certain rule or by um, somebody else telling me what to do. They feel controlled. And so we see um, in both aspects they're incorrect. See, Paul tells us that the purpose of the law is simply to make it visible to you and I. There's actually kind of a couple purposes to the law, but one of the purposes of the law is to make it visible to you and I that we cannot achieve perfection. Paul tells us, he says, the law can do nothing for you other than show you that you can't do it on your own. And so when we look at the law, when we look at the Ten Commandments and we see these things, um, we have to be careful that, that the, the road that we travel, the, the direction that we go down, this path that we walk in this life that Moses talks about. He goes, God set out a path for us. 
Paul talks about, walking this, this narrow road, everyone that begins to talk about this relationship with God talks about a path that we must walk, a race that we must run, something that is hard and treacherous and tough to navigate. And so often we want to make it something so black or white. You know, well, those laws were not for us or, you know, they were, they were not for this time or, you know what, I, I, I can do the big ones, right? Like, I won't murder someone. If I look at the laws and there's 10 of them and I don't do seven, then I did, you know, I passed, right? But that's not how this is supposed to work. It's not how we're supposed to interact with God. And it's not how we're supposed to function here. So what we're going to get into is talking about how in this wilderness, how can we navigate this time in our, in our country, this time in, in the nation, this time in our own personal lives. Um, maybe you're not in a time of wilderness. Maybe you're in a time of prosperity. But we've all been there, and we're all going to be in there again. So how do we navigate this with these laws, and how do they come into play with our joy? Because that's our theme, right? How do we talk about joy in these wilderness times, and what role do these laws play? So our main point today is that Doing the right thing brings joy because it enables freedom to flourish. So doing the right thing brings joy because it enables freedom. So our first point, what are, what are we, when we look at these laws and we look at God and we begin to say, well, there's just so many, it seems like there's so many rules, right? Because you ask even, uh, you look at the New Testament and people ask Jesus, they come up to him and they were like, how do I, how do, I do all this, right? How do I get through all of these laws? Because the Ten Commandments wasn't the end, right? Moses went up and, and God said, you stay here next to me and I'm going to give you all the commandments. I'm going to give you everything. There's so much where it's like, if you do this sin, you have to sacrifice this specific thing. And, and for every time that something happens and God even, Jesus even takes it a step further in the New Testament when he says, if you've got hatred in your heart, you're committing murder, right? He says, there's these thoughts and there's so much. And when we look at this law, we say, I don't know how to do this and make this work. I don't know how to navigate this path. This path seems so, so treacherous and so narrow and so hard. And it's sometimes I'm there by myself. How do I get through this? And how do these laws help me do that? How do they enable freedom and not just um, chain me down? and make this path harder. Well, the first thing that we have to do, and this is our first point today, is that we have to acknowledge that God is the creator. We have to acknowledge that God is the creator. And, and as I'm preaching this year, um, I'm gonna be coming back to this theme over and over again because truly to achieve joy, to come and achieve joy in our own lives, it's about being content. And it's about being content with what we have, with our relationship to God. And not just with God, but our relationship to God. We are beneath him. And when you can begin to be um, content with being beneath him, being content with your position in this place, you can begin to feel joy. And the laws actually begin to function in a way that gives you freedom. So we have to basically admit that God is the creator. And God even says that right off the bat. If you read um, back into how he starts out giving out his commands, he says in uh, Deuteronomy 5, 6, he says, I am the Lord your God, you res who rescued you from the Lord, or from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. So he's saying, I am the Lord. At the beginning of giving the commandments, he says, here's why you should listen to me. The reason you should listen to me is because I am above. 
I am above all things and everything. And so you should be in that place with me. So the second thing is that we must acknowledge ourselves as creations. We have to have a grasp of how this world is set up. Here's the thing is that from the very beginning, the devil has told us that we are equal with God. That is the lie that stretches across history. And it will continue till the end of time that we are equal with God. And if we think that, then the laws don't make sense. If I and my, uh, my, another person here are equal and that person starts trying to tell me what to do, I'm going to get upset. Why are you telling me what to do? Right? We bump into that in the workplace, right? When people aren't, there's not clear hierarchy. Maybe you experience that in your own, you know, workplace where you're like, there's this person and me and this person are kind of like the same level, but, what, but they keep trying to tell me what to do. It can be really frustrating, it can hinder how things work and how we make things go. And so um, in God's kingdom, there is a hierarchy. There's ways that things and how people should answer and how we interact with God that places us in a place where we can begin to let go. So an example in my life is that we are created by God for specific things, to do specific functions, for specific things to happen in our lives, some of us are, have different functions, different things happening, but God uses us for his plan and his purpose because we are his creations. I think about, um, I had this pair of cargo shorts, right? And I just loved this pair of shorts. They were my favorite pair of shorts. I would wear them all the time and they began to start falling apart. They would get like, they got like a rip like on the, by the knee. Um, one of the pockets got a hole in it so you like couldn't put stuff in there or else like your cell phone would just fall out. Um, and then the, uh, the pockets like on the side began to kind of come off. I just kept wearing them. Like I just kept wearing them and wearing them and wearing them. And eventually, kid you not, there was a like giant hole like right here. There was another giant hole like right here. Neither pockets were still intact. Like they were just completely open. And uh, so I had to wear uh, gym shorts underneath them so that I could still have pockets and that like you couldn't just like, it didn't make any sense, right? But I loved them so I would wear them all the time. And uh, I came home one day and uh, they were in the garbage can. And I was like, what is going on? And I was like, Where, how'd my shorts? And, and then uh, my wife came and she's like, they're not shorts anymore. Like they, they, you can't even wear them. They have no purpose. They have no function. Um, they're, they're not doing what they're meant to do. And here's the hard part. Uh, we talk about this. The, the Bible says this. It's not, it's not me. It's not Pastor Brandon. God says that if we don't do our function, if we're not doing the things that we're meant to be doing, if we're not acting as creations, his creations in his ways, then he's going to let us do whatever we want to do. He's going to let us fall apart. I call it the spiral of sin. Paul talks about it in the beginning of Romans, right? He says, you're going to get into this spiral and God's just going to let you spiral down because you're refusing to be what you are. You're refusing to acknowledge who you are. You're, free, you're refusing to have this relationship with God that is healthy. You're wanting to be God. You're chasing after being God. And here's the thing that's funny is that um, God says right after, you know, declaring who he is, he says, hey, don't make idols to worship, right? 
because he knows who we are. He knows that as we get into this spiral, we begin to realize, oh, maybe I'm not God, right? My, my life is kind of messed up, and it's because of the choices that I make. Um, and we begin to realize that, so then we begin to worship other things. Maybe it's another person that we idolize. Maybe it's um, a lifestyle that we idolize. Man, if I could just be like them, if I could just get a taste of that, it'll pull me out of this pit that I'm in. It'll make me, it'll elevate me back up, and then when my feet are under me, I won't mess up again. And here's the thing is that that's not how this works. See, God said, I created you for a specific reason with specific things in mind to function in specific ways in relationship to me and in relationship to each other. That's what the Ten Commandments are. That's what the laws of this, um, of the Bible are. It's saying, I've created you in a certain way. And, And it's funny because God doesn't give those commandments until the time of Moses And I think it's because when we are all honest with ourselves, we most of the time can know what's right and wrong. Like if we're just, if we kind of like push all the bravado, everything out of the way, like a lot of times we know what's right and wrong. A lot of times it haunts us years later. A lot of times when we're trying to um, come to terms and we often lash out in anger, right? Sometimes we react, oh, that wasn't wrong, you know, but it's because we know deep down what I did was not good. It was not pleasing to God. It didn't uplift people. It didn't make people feel um, like they were valued. It didn't make people feel in a certain way. Maybe it's not even one of these big ones on the list. Maybe it had nothing to do with, with stealing or, or murdering someone, but maybe, you know, I just know that that interaction that I had, God's not going to be happy about it. When we're honest with ourselves, we see that. We will choose sin over and over and over again. Paul talks about that as well. He says, I do the things that I don't want to do. And the things that I want to do, the things that I'm striving to do, I just seem to, I can't. They slip through my fingers. And see, I think God was trying to give us a chance. He's like, you know, deep down, you know, in your core, in your DNA, you know what to do. And we just kept messing up. We kept messing up. And finally, he's like, all right, well, because you can't see it, because you won't acknowledge it, because you're refusing to see what I'm telling you, I'm just going to have to paint it out for you. Here's a list of rules. And guess what? You're not going to follow them. But at least now you, it's in writing. You know. That's this interaction. That's what's happening here. As God is saying, he's saying, you know what is right. You know that it's not good to harm other people, that it's not good to do these things that you're doing. But every time I tell you, you just come back at me in anger or you come back at me with excuses. And so guess what? I'm just going to give you the law and now you have to face the ramifications of not being able to complete it. And then we get mad about that too, right? Our reaction is, I can't do this. And God's like, yes, that's right. I have been telling you that. I'll do it for you. I just want you to try. I just want you to be in a relationship with me. I just want you to acknowledge me as creator. Just acknowledge it. Just acknowledge that you are failed. Just acknowledge that you are broken. Just acknowledge that I am not. That's what the law is. That's what the whole Ten Commandments are about. It's just us coming to terms with who we are, with our failures. 
not ruminating on them or, or, or letting them control us or, or making us, you know, get into this place. Trust me, see, I, uh, I shared with Pastor Brandon just a few weeks ago, I struggle with depression. Maybe some of you in this room do as well. It comes back, it hits me really hard in the winter, and a lot of times I just really, really get down and deep into this place, and it's hard for me to kind of climb out sometimes. And so in those times, my feelings don't match what I know. I a lot of times don't feel happy. I feel very, very um, anxious, and I feel very, very kind of down, and it's hard for me to have good interactions with people because of that. And, um, but my joy is not linked to that. Because my joy is my contentment with my relationship with God. My joy in my wilderness, my joy in this barren place, my joy in this broken place has nothing to do with my situation or my feelings. If you think that the Israelites felt real great about being out in the desert for 40 years, eating stuff that fell from the sky, it's not going to be a lot of joy, a lot of happiness there. But they, after that time, in what we are experiencing, he's saying, you've learned from where you are. Your relationship is righted. Just don't forget it. Go into this place where now your situation is going to change. Maybe your happiness will change, but all of that has nothing to do with what your relationship with God looks like. And so the last point that we have is that we have to acknowledge the rules and the role that they play in our lives. We have to acknowledge them. They exist. There are things that are right and that are wrong. This is what the devil is telling us right now is that that's not true. He's telling us through social media. He's telling us through Hollywood. He's telling us through politics. He is telling us that it is our right, your right, my right to choose what is right and wrong. Because I am God. And you're God. And you're God. But that's not how we can live. It's not how we can live as the church. We have to right ourselves because we as the church have gotten into that same habit. The churches say, I am God. I'm going to make the decisions. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to show where, where God is and where God isn't by what I do and the choices I make. We must acknowledge who God is. We must acknowledge that there is a right and wrong. It's imprinted in us. It's our image of God. We have some of God within us because not only the Holy Spirit rests in you if you have a relationship with God, but because you are created in God's image. He used that. And so you know there's going to be hard times. I'm not saying like in every situation, once you become a Christian, you're just like, oh, I know exactly what to do. But God outlines in his word how to do it. That's, what the, that's another aspect of those rules. Is It's like sometimes when you're questioning, well, I don't know, turn to the book. The book shows you. There's a lot of elaborations on things. There's a lot of situational things where maybe they were in the same situation that you're in. If you read into it, the rules are there, and that's where the freedom comes in, is when you can acknowledge this relationship and the role that it plays. If you can acknowledge your place in it, then all of a sudden, I don't have to be God anymore. I don't know about you, but sometimes whenever I lose touch with my relationship with God and, and I begin to elevate myself, I get so stressed out. Man, how am I going to make this work? How am I going to make this work? How am I going to make this ministry work? I, I, I worked for 10 years in ministry 
And it just weighs on you. How do I do this? How do I do this? You're trying to figure out, like, what am I doing? And there's sometimes where I would have people come to me and just be like, you're probably not going to do a whole lot. (laughs) It's not about you. It's not about what you want. And all of a sudden, a lot of stress came out. And guess what? I started to see success in the ministries that we were in because it's like, you know what? It's not about me. And maybe the direction I was going wasn't what was best. It wasn't bad. I wasn't, you know, trying to go out and murder people. But it wasn't what was best. It wasn't the ministry direction that God wanted. So I want to encourage you. I don't know where you are with your relationship with God. Maybe you don't have one. Maybe you're in a place where um, you're just trying to figure it out. You're like, you know what, I, I'm not even to a place where the rules you know, make sense to me. And I, I just don't even know what this whole thing is. That's okay. Like I said, that first step is acknowledging that God is this creator. If you're thinking about it, it's probably because there's something inside you kind of tugging. It's because you were created in God's image. And that natural hierarchy, it's something that's natural to us. It's something that's built into our DNA. And so I want to encourage you, if that's something that you're kind of thinking about, it's pulling at you, it's, you know, today as we uh, kind of close out the service, there'll be a time to, to come forward. You can pray. There'll be people that can pray with you. I would encourage you to do that if you're trying to figure it out. If you kind of have this figured out, figured out, most of us aren't going to have it figured out until we're with Christ, right? But if you're kind of a person who's been in this relationship for a long time and you're saying, you know what, I, I lost track. I just lost track. Maybe you're feeling you're in a wilderness. Maybe you're feeling like you just don't have that relationship with God that you're looking for. It's all right. The cool thing about the Bible is that even though it's a story of reoccurring failures, it's a story of reoccurring faith and strength from God. It's reoccurring of him coming up beside his people and saying, yeah, you messed up again, but I've got you. And so it's never too late. It's never too long. You're never too dark. Take it from someone who's this past year been struggling with a lot of the anxiety and depression. You're never too deep down to feel that joy, that contentment with God saying, I am just, I'm content with who you are because there can't be anything better. And if you've got me, then, you know, I'm going to try and live a life according to these rules you set down because that's how you ordered it. That's how you want it. And these rules bring about prosperity and and peace and love. And so I want those things because you want those things. But I'm going to be okay with not knowing everything, not having all the answers because you are God. And that's the role that we're going to play. So I want to encourage you if you join me in prayer and then the, uh, the altars will be open for you to, uh, to come forward and pray. Dear God, as we go into this time of prayer, we don't know where people are. A lot of times we make assumptions, and so God, we just pray that all of those go away. Clear our minds right now. Just allow us to see the people in this room the way that you see them, as sons and daughters, as creations, precious each one, designed specifically each one, given gifts to each one with roles to play in your kingdom. But God, also remind us of who we are. We are creations and all the wonders and the privileges that come from that are accompanied with designs that you have placed into us, designs that make us function better, not only as an individual, but as a group, 
as a society. God, just let us live into those. Let us thirst after them. Let us be less selfish. God, just let us seek the things that you care about. Love the people that you love. Think about the things that you want us to think about. Do the things you want us to do, God. That is our prayer. God, just be with us as we navigate this trail. It's so treacherous. It's so hard. And you tell us that so many people are going to fall away, and that breaks our heart. God, just keep us. Keep us. Keep us together. Keep us with you. Guide us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's Word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.